Hello, welcome to the 2023 December Black Book Talk presentation during this gift-giving season. My name is Obi Hill, I'm a community historian, and with me are Emma Jackson Ford, bookwoman, Patricia Welch, librarian emeritus. Really have a very nice presentation by two very, very informed and interesting people. First, I'd like to say that the St. John's Multnomah County Library Grant is one of the branches that specializes in ethnic and minority publications. And I have here representing the St. John's Library, Felicia Elam. And She's going to recommend a couple of books, and along with her is Charles Hanna of Third Eye Books, and he will also do likewise. So welcome, both of you. Thank you. Welcome. Thanks for having me. What books would you uh, like to recommend to our listeners on this segment? Okay, so I have two books. Uh, they're both for adults. One is fiction. One is nonfiction. But I enjoyed both of those very much, and I'm giving both of those as Christmas gifts or holiday gifts. Uh, the first book is called Iced. It's by a band named Ray Shell. Uh, it was written in 1993, but it was republished this year in 2003 by Amistad Press. It has about 330 pages, but it reads like it's 150. The protagonist of the book is named Cornelius Washington Jr. He's your golden child who is destined to take over the world, but he has a series of tragedies and the unfortunate hobby of experimenting with drugs. So they lead him down this uh, kind of a dark path to addiction and it kind of chronicles his life. But what I found intriguing about the book was even though the protagonist, that character wasn't, you wouldn't automatically like him, the way the book was written is, is, it just draws you in. He writes it as a journal, like it's a journal, a stream of consciousness. So you're basically reading this man's journal or you are this man's journal. And it's just so open, it's very first person. He mixes up some of his prose with poetry and it works really well. And you kind of find yourself rooting for a character you wouldn't necessarily want to be friends with, but just the way the book is written, it's, it's very engaging. As a matter of fact, I'm going to give it to one of my nephews. He's 37. I'm going to give that to him for the holidays because I think he appreciates and enjoys good writing. I don't want to talk too much about the plot of the book because I don't want to give too much away. But I will say that it was set in like 1993, 94. It goes back to the 60s and 70s and kind of chronicles his life and his mistakes, the people that he's encountered. It's got a little bit of history in it. And I think it, it would be an excellent book for people um, 
people anywhere from like 30 on up, it would be an excellent book to read. It's very well written. And the second book I have is called Sleeping with the Ancestors. I'm real excited about this book. Uh, we just got it in at the library, so I'm sure you can buy it at other places. But basically, it chronicles, um, it's, written, it's written by uh, Joseph McGill Jr. and Herb Frazier. It's called Sleeping with the Enemies, How I Followed the Footprints of Slavery. And basically, the author, Joseph McGill, was a, like, works for the National Park Service. And he got into going to these antebellum of being a Civil War reenactor and realizing that was a part of the story that wasn't told about how black men and black people actually helped gain our freedom through the different acts of the Civil War. But he started uh, being a reenactor and then he realized, hey, all these big, beautiful houses are being preserved. But what about the slave cabins? What about the people who lived in those places who built those beautiful things? Their places are going away and nobody is stopping to see how these people lived, what they ate, how their families were formed or anything. So he starts his journey in South Carolina, which is where he was from, and he spends a night in a slave cabin. And as the book goes on, as he stays in more places, he changes his ideas about, hey, this is the Sleeping in Slave Cabins project to preservation of slave dwellings like how important in history it, it this is to us and how we're just letting it go away. But it also follows this person through a journey where they took a passion of theirs and expanded it to something that actually the National Park Services and other preservation societies are starting to look seriously at preserving slave cabins. And if you've been looking at maybe, I'm a Southerner, my great-grandfather was a slave, so slave history is very important to me. And not losing that history is very important to me. And I've noticed a trend where graduates from medical school or military academies will go to these local plantations, these young Black women and young Black men, and they will reclaim that space. So this book is not only about like reclaiming space, it's also about reclaiming your family's history. It's uh, shaking the amnesia from a nation about like what, who contributed to building to this nation. But it's also just a really good look into how someone took a passion of theirs and almost made it a national concern. The book was kind of uplifting I, I thought it was a little boring at first because it was a guy who likes numbers and likes to document things, but it, it really opened my eyes. He, he went from everywhere from South Carolina to Minnesota. And I bet none of us knew there were slave dwellings in Minnesota. So those are my two recommendations. I'm giving, like I said, Iced by Rachel. I'm giving that away as a Christmas gift, a holiday gift. And I think I'm going to buy uh, Sleeping with the Ancestors as a gift for myself. Those are very interesting books. And uh, Kwanzaa will be coming up, and I'm sure that people will be interested in reading those. In fact, I'll purchase uh, a copy of that book myself. I'd like to also say, what are your recommendations, uh, Brother Charles Hanna, for the uh, holiday giving season? Oh, welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you, OB. Thank you, and Miss Emma. And thank you, Felicia, for setting that bar so high in a review. I tell you, 
I think I, I would like to be able to extend your job offer as a book reviewer of that bookstore and some, but uh, when you asked me about two books, Obi, you know, I was so conflicted because I read so much, but I did find two books and I'm only going to talk about two books. Actually, I'm going to talk about two books that we had a chance to bring out as a bookstore, uh, bring out the authors to the community and where people in the community had a chance to ask questions of the author and have, you know, get their autographs and stuff like this. So the first book, uh, we had this author out in June of this year, a very powerful book. It's by the title of Rest is Resistance, a Manifesto by Trisha Hershey. Uh, she's online as something what's called the NAP Ministry, and I'll get more into that. Uh, this book is under 300 pages. Uh, so right now, a lot of the books I'm reading right now are under 300 pages. So in my mind, I can read 10 pages a day and finish this one book in one month. And so I'm having fo- people to refocus their attention and to see what, how, how long is the book and things like this. Well, this book jumped out in my life and has kind of changed a lot in my life. It's an easy read. It's a read that is very enjoyable if you enjoy poetry because the sister is a poetess. I tell you, her work that she's done around the rest movement is is groundbreaking. But this book has opened my eyes up into what she calls this grind culture, this capitalism for instance, it's like if we always say if we die tomorrow, our job would be open up in two hours and stuff like this. It's an escape into a reality that doesn't constantly pull at you to drag you in different directions. She offers an escape way out. It's not a how to book. So it's not going to be a one, two, three. This is how you rest. If you've never read a manifesto, prepare yourself. It doesn't steer from the subject. Her subject is, without giving it away too much, is that capitalism will kill you if you let it. So, but she talks about how her family became involved in her work, about how her life changed from graduate school and doing this work. So it's a real good read, uh, a local book club by the name of Pros Before Bros. A group of women of uh, color who amount about three to four hundred of these women have read this book this summer and found it great. And so Restless Resistance is always pops up as a selection. I always point towards people who are looking in the self-help direction. So if you need something to have self-help, look into Restless Resistance, a way to tap out of this system that's designed to wear you out and pull you down. So it's not a book that's going to multitask. You do 10 or three different other things. It's going to book to have you slow some things down and look at the things that you're already doing, because sometimes we have a practice and stage already. It's like what you said, uh, Sister Felicia, about that book, Sleeping with the Ancestors. We have that book in the store right now. But this book matches that where our enslaved ancestors were even practicing sleep resistance back then. She uses a common uh, story about how her grandmother always had one eye open and one eye shut when she was resting. So she can be aware, but at the same time she was resting. So Restless Resistance is a good pickup. You can find us on our website at thirdeyebag.com and things like this. The next book I have is a chance of, had once again had a chance to bring this author to Portland. We had a, a good book author event at Reed College. This book is entitled The Kneeling Man, 
my father's life as a black spy who witnessed the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr., period. The title alone stops you in your track if you're a person of history. Uh, the front cover itself is a, is a picture that if you are over 50 years old, you've probably seen it time and time again of uh, the Lorraine Motel where Dr. King was gunned down and everybody's pointing off the balcony. That is that picture on the front cover. Give you a little insight of this book. In that photo is a black man in that scene who has his hand over Dr. King's body. That is her father. That is the author's father who she's writing this about. And not to give it all away, because at the very beginning of the book, you see that there was a black spy involved. So if you like spy thrillers, if you like history, if you like those questions of how did this brother get involved in all that? And then she paints the human side of her father, even though he was in law enforcement and how he was demystifying the role of the black power movement. For instance, that the FBI thought that we were so gung ho and trying to kill everybody. He was reporting back. No, these guys are just chilling trying to get people registered to vote and all that stuff. So there's a lot to unpack in this book. At the same time, you're going to get a history lesson of some true people in in life. Her father is still living. So it's, it's a great story to tell of something that really happened in our, in, our, in our nation's history, tragic events, but at the same time, there's some light in this story. So the Neely Man, My Father's Life as this Black Spy Who Witnessed the Assassination of of Martin Luther King by Letta McCullough Skeletsky and Rest is Resistance by a manifesto by Trisha Hershey with my two recommendations, brother. This is a very special month. Not only is my son a guest recommending a Christmas gift, but my hairdresser who keeps my hair fabulous, Sylvia, is a guest today. She's always recommending books to me and she does my hair. Well, now she's going to recommend something for gifts for you, too. My first guest is Sylvia Jackson Riley. She works at Dean's Beauty Salon and does a fabulous job. And she does a fabulous job of recommending books. I'm always reading the books that she recommends for me. She's going to recommend a book as a gift that you can give to someone. Hello, thanks for inviting me, uh, Emma. I enjoy doing your hair and you know I love reading. (laughs) So that's something that we bond over while you're in the chair. For this Christmas season, I would recommend a book called Black Cake by Charmaine Wilkerson. Um, The book I read was uh, referred to me by a client and over the summer, I read it and I really enjoyed it. And it kind of uh, brought in West Indian and Chinese and um, the island cultures. And uh, I really, really enjoyed it. And a family recipes, family bonding. It's more than that. I don't want to give it away. But now they have a series on Hulu, which is really cool. I don't really know if I'm going to watch it because I don't (laughs) sometimes books and and movies and series don't always coincide but I would recommend that book I would also recommend Water Dance by Ta-Nehisi Coates that was a really good book I enjoyed that book thank you you're welcome 
the other person that I wanted to uh, to recommend a book for a gift this time lives in my house with me, so we talk about books all the time. So when I when we were thinking about this gift show, I thought Patrick would be wonderful for this because he's always telling me about a book I ought to read. My first-born son, Patrick Ford. Hello, I'm Patrick Ford, as she just said, and a whole bunch more. I'm always thumbing through books because I work with kids in the school district. And uh, when she asked me to recommend a, a book by a Black author, my mind immediately went to adult books. I was sitting in the classroom yesterday, and I was reading this book by um, an illustrator, actually. Her name is Reza Figueroa. This was actually her first book, and it caught my attention by the cover. It was a black male holding his daughter up above him, and, and the book is called uh, What My Daddy Loves. And it was the way she illustrated it. You know, the man had an afro, and, you know, they had, like, mocha skin, both him and his daughter. And so I immediately thought it was a story, like I usually read, where it just follows the father and child. But when I opened it up and started reading, and it's basic, it's not really, you know, anything special in the words. It's just, um, you know, my dad loves to cook. My dad loves to, you know, go exploring with me. My dad loves, you know, things like that. But it was the way she drew the fathers. And they were different fathers for different kids. And the first page grabbed me because the father was laying in the bed with no shirt on. Like he was a bigger guy. And he had like, you know, some hair on his chest and a little afro. And it just looks so true to like just human beings. And so as I thumbed through, there was a father that was reading with his daughter. And he had a hearing aid, one of the ones that wrap around the back of your ear. And it was connected to his head. And that the way that she was portraying the kids and the fathers, they were flawed. They look like people, you know, that you, you know, yeah, those are dads, not just these pretty pictures of just pretty people in the book. And so, you know, that added on and that let me understand why she won the illustrator award um the coretta scott king illustrators honor uh for a book called uh we wait for the sun and all the other books have been written by other people you know they have a series on a little girl named una i think it's only two books by her and then uh you will do great things again her name is reza figueroa and uh yeah i really enjoyed the book and but definitely her strong suit is her illustration. So if that's what you get out of it, just to see how she sees things and how she uh, I wouldn't say unique. She just shows how um, just real people uh, she and, and it's, you know, cartoon. And she did, you know, the way that she just draws people like, oh, that look like my cousin or, you know, something like that. So uh, that's my book. Thank you. Thank you very much. I, I think I'm going to buy the book. See, man, I need to be a salesman. <laughs> now we have Donovan Scribes and Celeste Carey recommending books that you could give as gifts this Christmas or for any occasion. All right. Uh, so I was thinking what, what book I should bring here. And, you know, I've been trying to be more conscious around my approach to, to feminism and uh, my partner is a big fan of Kiese Lehman. 
And she had actually been telling me for some time about this book uh, that he wrote, How to Kill Yourself Slowly and Others in America for some time. And she had sent different chapters to me to to read and I never really read them, uh, but I read, well, I listened to the book uh, recently and it, it's really stuck with me. It's a collection of different essays there's a, a lot of different topics that he ultimately ends up touching on. You know, he, one of the essays is a, a deep dive into black men performing for each other um, and, and particularly using hip hop, you know, like how yeah, he's talking about his uh, realizing that, you know, all, all the boys at school would go off into a corner and freestyle in front of each other and the girls would go and do their own thing. And he's talking about, I wonder what the girls were talking about over there when we were over here performing for each other, lying to each other too, a lot of times, trying to be as big as we could. But uh, he has other uh, essays in there just talking about his his relationship to his mom. And that's like a through line in a lot of his writing. Um, it's just his relationship with his mom. And he doesn't put it in like a, like a Hallmark card type of, relationship he really kind of goes in kind of the hard parts of their relationship um, and then there's another essay in there where it's black men writing to each other so they're talking about you know their mental health they're talking about sexuality they're talking about race the uh, actual essay it kicks off with them talking about like i'm writing this on the anniversary of malcolm x's death and just kind of reflections that they're having about their own selves but like their own lives and, you know, relationships to, to the world inside of it. One of the things that stuck out there is like one of the, one of the essays, <laughs> it's not even him, uh, it's not even the author talking, but it's his friend saying like, I became a mental health professional and I haven't even went to therapy at the time that I needed the most and he said something about i wonder if that the field needs me so much as i i need it you know right now so the, there, there's a lot of things in his writing that i think are really stand out and i think he does a a take on feminism and his wrestles with with it in a way that is real tangible for a lot of people and i got a chance to see him earlier this year uh, when he came in to portland and it really kind of stayed with me, some of the things he had to say then, too. So um, I, I encourage people to, to read his work or listen to it. What's the title of the book again? How to Kill Yourself Slowly and Others in America. I hope I got the, the full title right. I might have got the, the <laughs> order of the words wrong. And what's the author's name again? That's Kiese Lehman. I'd love to read that. That sounds just absolutely delicious. Yes. Celeste, please tell us about the book you would give as a gift or you recommend giving as a gift. Actually, it's odd how it ended up. I just sent a picture of this to Patricia just to say, yes, I'm good with the book reading. And she thought this was the book I was going to read. So, you know, I thought, well, why not deliver? Since I sent this, this, <laughs> this will do. And I first heard of this book, which is Celeste's Harlem Renaissance from my daughter, who is an avid adult reader and uh, has raised my grandsons to be the same. 
And we pretty much lived in a library when she was a kid. The book is, I think, an interesting counterpoint to what we've been talking about because it is a children's book. It's a young adult book. But one of the differences is that it reflects on this young girl's development as a young adult, as becoming an older young person, I guess I should say, and the trials and tribulations she went through. So Celeste Harlem Renaissance is set in the 1920s. Celeste is a 13-year-old. She lives with her father. They are musicians, but uh, her mom has passed away. So dad is raising her all by himself. I liked that because as both Patrick mentioned and Donovan mentioned, it was a very positive representation of a male, of a black male, being single and raising his child. However, because he had tuberculosis, he wasn't able to take care of her when he was sent to a sanitarium. Now, without giving too much of the story away, uh, he also lived with a sister of his who helped raise the daughter, but she was not well suited to raising girls as she just had boys. So Celeste was a little bit distressed and decided to ask, could she stay with her mom's sister, uh, Valentina, up in Harlem? She imagined Valentina to be an actress who lived in a mansion because that's the airs that Valentina put on when she came to visit. However, when she got up to Harlem to find a place to stay, she realized her aunt actually scrubbed floors and was struggling to find acting work. So she came in with uh, dreams destroyed, so to speak, and, and hopes dashed and found her aunt to be an ordinary person. But the way Eleanor Tate, who wrote the book, skillfully weaves the story, you find that Celeste is able to rise above her initial bad attitude, also share her talents and skills as a violinist, and meet historical figures. So people like Duke Ellington are woven into the story. One of the things that makes that such a wonderful story for today's young people is the fact that it not only tells history from a, an ordinary youngster's perspective, but it also weaves stories of bigger than life characters and people in black history that young people may not read anymore since black history is under attack. And um, they get a chance to see somebody grow through a lot of difficulties, challenges, fall back on their strong points like her being an excellent violinist and through that, add a contribution to her community. And then in the story, she ends up having to go back to Raleigh, which is where she had been living, to help care for the aunt because her aunt had a stroke. Her father's sister had a stroke. So you get a kind of a full circle view. And it just touched on so many different aspects of Black culture. I found it really not only enlightening and entertaining, but just all around enjoyable and something that I would recommend to a young person, especially if they have artistic talent. But I mean, even if they don't, they get a chance to see some of the wonderful, positive accomplishments that have come out of Black history. 
and out of the Black experience and out of the very variations of Black experience as well. So I thought it would be a good book. It, it wasn't written this year or last year, but it still rings true in terms of the day-to-day realities of the Black experience in America. Excellent. That sounds like a book that I would like to read myself, not just give us gift. Well, I hope you enjoy it. I do. And um, it, it's not self-serving. Like I said, I sent it because my daughter thought it would be an interesting book for me to read just because we share the name. But it turned out to be a jewel in disguise. We'll see you in January. Until then, Happy New Year's from Black Book Talk. Spread sale, uh, spread sale, uh, spread-